Okay. And we're just going to stand for the word of God. Numbers chapter 13, and I'm reading from verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, and Tamal. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of their pomegranates and figs. And the place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So all the congregation, they lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fail by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, 
let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jehunni, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you're so present here today. But Father, we want today your word, Father, to become life to us. We want it to affect our, the battles that we are in. Father, the giants that people are facing here, the giants of sickness, the giants of deme, deme, de, demonic opposition and oppression, Father God, the giants of finances, to all the giants, Father God, the enemy places in front of your people. Father God, we're asking today that, Father God, you will arise. Faith will arise in this house. Father God, and there shall be breakthrough and victory for the people today. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Just as a digression, I don't know if you've noticed as a people, you should be so excited to be part of this generation because things are happening in the world now which are just, it's so much of prophecy is unfolding. I'm just seeing this week there's an alliance being made between Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And this was prophesied 2,800 years ago. And, and Jesus said, you know, the generation that sees... Israel returned to the land. They're going to see the, you know, these wars at the end just before Christ returns. So it just means this is a season. You just cannot be sitting back. You've got to be pressed into God. You've got to be watching and praying, expectant of the Lord's return. This is really a season because this is such a prophetic time. So many things are going to be happening according to the Word of God. But that's not what I'm going to preach about today. I am going to preach about your promise and the giant, because this is a part of the scripture my, my uh, wife just read, a part of the scripture where God previously had made Israel a promise that he would not only set them free from the captivity of the enemy of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but he would bring them into a delightful land, a land that flowed with milk and honey and pomegranates and all the rest of it, a good, good land where there was fertile rivers, where all they needed to prosper was in that place. And God's plan for his people is to fulfill like it was to Egypt. His plan, when he gives you a promise, it is to fulfill it. 
God makes you a promise, and when faith fully meets that promise, I believe it is fulfilled. But like the Egyptians here, we learn that, you know, I just love how good God is here. And I've experienced this in myself. When God gives you a promise to help you believe and to, like Joseph. I always say Joseph had a dream, but not really true. The dream had Joseph. The dream was his promise. God said, I promised you, you're going to be someone who's significant and I'm going to use for the salvation of a nation and others will come and bow down. And what, what the dream was, was a promise, but it was also the dream is a glimpse of what God has promised to do. And I praise God that he does give us glimpses to encourage our faith. And here God has made the Israelites a promise many, many years ago. And then he sends the spies into the land. Oh. And they see. It says they saw the grapes. They weren't there long, but they got a glimpse of the grapes. They're so big they couldn't carry them. Pomegranates and figs. And they came back saying, yeah, we got a glimpse. It truly does flow with milk and honey. So God gives them a glimpse of the future. And he does that with us. When he makes a promise, he gives us glimpses of it. That we know that where we are is not the permanent place. It's not the place we're going to remain. It's not your permanent disarray. Your current situation is not your permanent situation in God. It's from faith to faith and from glory to glory. God has progress and he's got promises for you that you are going to inherit. Things you've had. I've had glimpses of things. I've had glimpses of people's healing and their deliverance and prayer. I've had glimpses of what God's going to do through this ministry in the nations. We've seen nothing yet. God said this is nothing compared to what's coming. But he allows us to have glimpses. And these people glimpse. They just get a sight. Sight of what God has promised them. Their future. What he's promised. And uh, there's two groups in this passage. First group. They see. And by the way, both groups see the same thing. First group comes and says, yes, we saw it all. We saw it truly flows with milk and honey. And, and there's fruit. Everything that you said, the grapes, we touched them, we saw them. But nevertheless, in the land, the people are strong. The cities are fortified, large. And, and they, it goes on. And, and later they say, we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So were we in their sight. So they saw, they had a glimpse, but they also had a glimpse of God's promise. But then they saw the giants. And before you're ever going to go to a new level in God, and I believe this is a season of breakthrough where God is going to take his church and his people, both corporately, individual, into a new spiritual dimension. Wherever that is going to happen, a giant turns up. A giant is, is the evidence that God's about to elevate you. Going to do something greater in your life. Yeah, that's you. I'm talking to you here today. You are facing that thing because you've been prepared for many years, but God is about to elevate you. I hear that in the Spirit. He's about to elevate you and multiply you. 
That's why the giant has appeared. And so here they are, and they say, we're like, we're like grasshoppers, and they say, because of the giants, we can never win. And some of them say, let's turn back to Israel, stone Moses, get a new leader, go back to Israel. And others say, well, we'll just camp here and try to maintain what we already have. And you know, uh, I've, I've experienced this over the years. Joshua said, and Caleb said, the reason they said that, because they rebuked him, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. The protection is departed from them, for the Lord is with us, but do not fear them. The reason these people were speaking that way and not wanting to go ahead was because of fear. But they didn't say to the people, it's fear, let's turn back. They spoke what was human logical, humanly logical, reasonable, and from hell. Because, see, there's a wisdom that is from above and there's a wisdom from below. It is sensual, demonic. And the thing is, everybody agreed with them. Everybody, and see what it is, often, people in the, in the kingdom, even in churches, they speak fear and they disguise it as wisdom. And when you speak like that, you know what happens? You end up with a lot of friends. All these people, that you're, you're so wise. Yeah, let's go back. The giants are too big. We agree with you. When you speak that way, you'll be in the majority. You'll have lots of friends who call you wise, but you'll never move a mountain or overcome a giant. That's just how the kingdom of God is. And the ones that overcome giants are remnants. They are, they are the minority. There's two here. And the reason they overcome and the reason they win their spiritual battle is the same reason you will win your spiritual battle. It's not listening. And so much today, people are speaking about the current situation and what we should do and becoming political. And a spirit of fear is over them. And they are appearing wise to many people. And God's not in any of it. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God. It's the only thing. And many people are listening. But, but the majority, the two, my servant Caleb, I love this. Because he has a different spirit in him. Verse 24. I'll bring him into the land. And when you've got that spirit... You no longer, you not, not only do you win your battles, but look what he said. And his descendants shall inherit it as well. It's for you and your children. But he had a different spirit. He didn't speak fear and call it wisdom. He took God at his word and he overcame. And it says in uh, we are able to overcome. He said it. They said, look at the giants. We're going to turn back. Caleb, verse 30, said, try to quiet the people. 
and said, let us go up at once, take possessions, for we are well able to overcome it. Whatever you're battling today, I tell you and I promise you, you are well able to overcome it if you have the spirit that is in Caleb and not the spirit that's in the majority. Even today, majority of believers will speak fear and call it wisdom. So here, here they are. And I want to talk to you today about why some believers can overcome and win spiritual battles and some can't. Because the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you see, I'll make the point again. Let me just say this. First thing an overcomer knows, first someone who has the spirit of Caleb knows, is that battle for a Christian is normal. In fact, I reckon the times of a Christian's life when you're not battling is abnormal. It's just from battle to battle because as soon as you become an enemy, you, because as soon as you become a Christian, you have an enemy. And he's going to oppose you. And, and if you're going to walk with God, I want to tell you, you are going to experience disruption. Like this is a disruption. You're going to experience opposition. People and things are going to try to destroy you. You're going to be controversial because Jesus was controversial. People are going to lie about you. People are going to talk behind your back. People are going to gossip about you. People are going to betray you because you follow Jesus. There's going to be battle. And people that overcome are not confounded. They are not dismayed. That's why Joshua said to, God said to Joshua, one of the things before you go ahead in this mission, do not be dismayed because there is going to be battle. There is going to be opposition. But I, I just point out here today, in this passage, physically, both groups... The ten, the majority, and the two, physically they saw the same thing. Physically they saw the exact same thing. They saw the land, they saw the goodness of the land. Both of them saw these with their natural eyes. And it's very interesting because there's an emphasis in verse 33. There we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our sight and we, we were there in their sight. So we were in their sight. And for you to become a, I call it a minority overcomer, let's just be honest, is largely for you to have the spirit of, Jake, of Caleb and Jacob and to be overcomers and to win your battles, largely it's an issue of perspective. It's an issue of perspective. And the difference between the two groups is the first group, they saw the problem. You see your problem. You see the doctor's report. You see it. You see the problem in your business. You see what's going on. You see it. But the trouble with the first group is that's all they saw, and that became their focus. The second group, they also saw the problem. 
But what they saw in addition to the problem, and you've got to see this because faith is evidence of things unseen because we see in the Spirit, they also saw who was with them. They saw the presence of God. They saw the promises of God. They saw the power of God in addition to the problem. And your focus and your perspective is so vital. Same problems. They didn't deny the problem, but they had a different focus. That's why the Bible says Moses overcame forsaking Egypt, seeing whom, him who is invisible. If you go to Joshua chapter 1, the instructions God gave to Joshua, and it's really interesting, he said to Joshua, if you're going to win the battle, he says, uh, the first thing he said, he says, be strong in verse 6. No, he doesn't say feel strong. Because sometimes you can be strong in God and you feel anything but. The truth is, when you are strong in God, you feel weak. That's what the Apostle Paul said. But he said, I want you to be strong. And then he speaks about, in this passage, the same passage, to, to be strong. He speaks about the importance of your mouth. He says, uh, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night. If you want to change what you think about, change what you talk about. And then he says to him, this is the most important. In the midst of your problems, God three times make this promise. And at the end, you see it in uh, verse 9. He says, you're going to have problems. You're going to have battles. But do not be dismayed. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I am with you. And see, if you are feeling overwhelmed, like the Israelites were, like the ten were here, the reason you always, always become overwhelmed is because in the midst of your problem, you have lost sight of who promised to be with you. That's the problem. That's it. You've lost sight. You are focused on your problem. But, but see, they had the pillar, cloud by day, cloud at night, pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. And as, as long as they focused on who was with them, they did well. But when you lose focus, you will become overwhelmed when you focus not on his presence, but on your problem. When your problem becomes a focus, you get overwhelmed and you experience defeat rather than victory. You can't move forward. And here it is. Perspective is so vital. What you see what you're seeing. Do you see who's with you? Do you know what it means, that statement, I'll be with you? Because in that passage I just read from Joshua 1, it's a good thing to take out Moses, the word Moses, and put in the words Jesus. As I was with Jesus, 
so I'll be with you. Because Jesus said the same things. I will be with you and I'll never forsake you. He also said, everything that has been given to me is now yours. Same promise. Opens the book of Joshua. So an overcomer has the perspective, God is with me. And he understands what it means. And this is what, this is what the, 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 the thing, God is with me, means when you're facing an enemy. It means, yes, his presence is with me and that's my focus. But it also means that because God is with me, God cannot lose battles. Therefore, I cannot lose battles. That's what it means. God is undefeated. If he's with me, he's with me in power. And because he doesn't win but lose battles, uh, but, and this is how, how, how he wins them for you. At the exact right moment, he allows pressure on you to make the oil flow. But the exact right moment, God himself, what do we say? The battle belongs to the Lord. At the exact right moment when you're facing a giant, you must not only see that God's with you, but you must see just before when the pressure is greatest, God himself is going to enter your battle. You see this all the time. When the Egyptians were pressing down on the Israelites, Moses panicked. God said, stand still. And and Moses said to the Egyptians, listen, stand still. This battle is not yours. It belongs to God. That meant God is about to enter it. And he did. He came in and he destroyed the Egyptians just at the right time. And see, David knew this. When we speak about David running against Goliath, Goliath had swords and weapons and shields and all the rest of it. And he's cursing David because he, he he was empowered by the enemy. And David said, I, I only need a stone. It wasn't that he had any faith in his stone or his sling, but he said, I know when I go into this battle, I've been in him before. I fought with a lion and a bear. God enters my battle. His power and his presence comes into my battle, and he deals with the giant. That's why I go forward. That's why I go forward. He enters my battle. I just love it. In Exodus 23, when Joshua is going to, he's preparing to go into the promised land. And he's just, he's not there. He's not, he's not at the border yet. But an angel turns up and he says, he says, the angel of the Lord shall go ahead of you. And then people don't understand. In Joshua chapter 5, an angel turns up and says, now I have come. Joshua says, whose side are you on? Ours are the enemies. He says, no, no, now I've come. I haven't come to take sides. I've come to take over. I've come to destroy Jericho for you because this battle is not yours. It's mine. See, the battle really isn't yours. It's the Lord's. If you are his and enemies are coming against you, he he is going to fight your battle that you cannot fight yourself. You've got to see he's actually going to enter it. And he enters it with Joshua at the exact right time. He's the one that took the walls, dismembered the walls of Jericho, made them fall. He, the one Joshua saw, but he also saw enter the battle. Here's a, here's a, 
the great revelation I had, and I've been ministering this to people all week because I know there are a lot of people under, under the pump. I know there are giants coming at a lot of people because the reason is you're on the verge of going into a new dimension with God. I believe there is a move of God being prepared and God has a people that he's preparing. And the enemy is, is just, giants are just appearing. But I love this. This is what Caleb said. This is really what I want to focus on today. Someone who has a different spirit to the majority. Someone who is able to overcome by faith. Has a different perspective. They see God. They see God entering their battle. They actually see it. And Caleb says this. Only do not rebel against the Lord. I'll just read it from... from Sorry, verse 7. The land we pass through despite is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Dinner. Someone who is an overcomer understands, yes, you're going to have battle. Yes, you're going to face giants, but the battle is your bread. It's your bread. You know what bread does? We pray, and I'm not using the Bible out of context, give us this day our daily bread. Because bread sustains us, it strengthens us, makes us grow. And that's Jesus teaches in the pray that in regard to their material provision, but bread also represents not just physical bread, represents the word of God, represents revelation, give us this daily bread. But it also represents the bread that comes through battle, that makes us stronger. And see, there, there are spiritual nutrients you can't get any other way except through battle. Except through warfare, there are spiritual nutrients. You can't grow any other way except going through battles. I, I, I like, I'll focus just a second on Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is... You know, everyone loves Psalm 23, and it's read at many, many weddings. But one of the, the passages that I've reflected on many, many times over the years and meditated on is, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And see, the Lord was always at a table with his disciples. A table, he did, he did, he did meals with them. But he, when he was at the table, he always brought, when he brings us to his table, he brings us into fellowship. He brings us into his presence. And the table, when we take the table here, it's a place of communion. It's a place of intimacy with him. And whenever we really want to go to the table, we really want to be more intimate with him. When we really want to come into his presence and know him more and just commune with him, I'll tell you what happens. The enemy turns up. Like he did with Job. Whenever you want to have that more intimate walk, whenever you want to press in closer and spend time, hours just in his presence, getting to know him more deeply, being transformed from glory to glory, just being in that place, 
the enemy will turn up at the place of intimacy. But you know what happens at that place? At the table is also bread. When you're in that place, the enemy also becomes a meal for you. He becomes a meal. God uses, that's because God uses giants to strengthen you for the season that you're about to go into. That's what he uses giants for. That's why it's from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And one of the, the passages that I just God was really illuminating me today, and I believe this is particularly for somebody here, and it's about a woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. And you can see it in Matthew chapter 15, and I'll read it. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said to her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as your desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So here's a woman. She's got a physical problem. Like a lot of our problems, they're demonic. Your physical, a lot of your physical problems. A lot, of, a lot of sicknesses, not all, but many have a demonic root. I believe the vast majority of sickness has a demonic root. And, and here's this woman. She's got a demonic problem. What a battle she's in. And her daughter is demon-possessed. And she's praying. This, is, this represents someone you're praying for a while and you're getting no answers. Because she goes to Jesus, says he didn't answer her a word three times. Because sometimes your faith is tested. Faith has to be tested. So three times there's no answer. Seems like God is not answering your prayers. You're crying out. And she goes to the disciples. The disciples basically say, go away. Because your problem is too much for us. What you're believing for is crazy. You've been in that place? People say, what you're believing for is crazy. <laughs> that means you're on track with God. She's believing something. These, these, are, these are believers. These are believers giving you 
that advice again that is sensual, earthly, but doesn't come from heaven. They're saying to her, go away, be reasonable. The problem is too big, don't trouble, don't trouble the master. So it seems like God's not answering her prayers. People are telling her she's crazy for what she believes for. And in the midst of that, this woman just won't let go. This woman just won't become offended with Jesus when he's not answering your prayers. Never become offended with Jesus. If he's not answering you, it's for a good reason. His timing is perfect and his answer to his promises, they're always yes and they're amen. But this is a time that seems like he's not answering and she just won't let go. I just feel that's a prophetic word for someone today. You just haven't been letting go. God is so pleased. You're just believing him and hanging on. You have that promise. He's given you that glimpse and you refuse to let go. And you know why this woman would not let go? It's just so profound. I, I jumped up around my office when I saw this this morning. Jesus said, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the little dogs. And she says, yes, but even little dogs get crumbs. Reason this woman would not let go is because she smelled bread. Ever been in the house where they bake bread? You get the aroma of it. This woman... She smelled bread. And she knew, same as Caleb, battles become bread. You smell bread. You know, the battle is bread, but there's also bread on the other side of your battle. You can smell it. There's bread in the promised land. This woman, she just... Same as Caleb, she wouldn't let go. She had a promise. She knew the battle was just bread. And I just know this morning, I didn't even want to preach long. I, I just believe there are people here today, God has made you a promise. And recently he's given you just a glimpse of it again. You've just seen it. And even, even you may have people around you who are giving you carnal advice that you need to be reasonable. You, need to, you don't, can't be so radical. You can't be one of those crazy Pentecostals. You've got to be a logical, unbelieving believer. And you've refused to go there. You're saying, no, I'm going to walk alone. I'm going to walk in the majority. I'm going to hang on to my promise. I'm going to believe it. And I believe, you know, God is saying to you today, don't go back. Don't go. Stand in that place. Stand in that place and just say to the devil, I ain't going back. I'm here whether it kills me. I'm going to stand here whether it kills me believing the promise that God gave me. Whether I live or die, I'm going to die in faith if I have to, but I'm going to stand here believing God. And I am not taking a backward step. Not even that. I'm not going to stay here and believe. I'm just going to maintain what I got. But I believe I'm moving forward and I'm going to see the manifestations of every single dit and detail of what God has promised me. I want to tell you. I want to tell you. God is faithful. 
God is faithful. And I just know in the spirit today, there's a lot of people here. You've been in a battle. I'm just seeing battle everywhere. And God would say to you today, it's not unusual. But he would also say, Colossians 2.15 says, that thing you're battling at the cross, Jesus disarmed it. Every principality and power, every demonic force has been disarmed. It makes a lot of noise like Goliath, but it's been disarmed. Jesus has already won the victory. And we battle from that victory, not for it. And he wants you to know today that yes, there's battle, but yes, he's with you. And at the exact right time, he's entering your battle with his power. And every giant that's opposing you is just there to become your bread because you're going into a new dimension. And the giant is there to make you stronger for what God's got ahead of you. God has got more and more and more. And I believe we're at a time now where... God's people are coming into something greater. God's people are coming into something greater. And the enemy knows it. The enemy knows it. And he's trying to make people have the mindset of retreating. This just can't be done. This is just too much. And they're real problems. There, I, I've been given promises of nations. And giants have appeared saying, you can't go anywhere. They're just giants. But I aren't looking at them. I'm looking at my God. I'm looking at his presence. I'm focused on his promise. It's already yes and Amen. And I know his power is coming into my situation <laughs> that's just going to make it all happen despite what the enemy wants to do. So like I said, I didn't want to really preach a lot today. But I, I just felt God wants to say to people today, do not be dismayed. God knew right now you were going to get to this place where that giant was looking at you where that battle seemed overwhelming. That you may feel like a grasshopper in the sight of what's going on. But God says today, he wants you to change perspective. He wants you to get your focus back on who is with you. It is God Almighty. It is El Shaddai. He is with you and he's never lost a battle, so you're not going to lose your battle. And he is going to enter that battle at the exact right moment, like he did with Goliath. And he's going to take down that sickness, that joblessness, that marital problem, that family situation, whatever the giant is your problem, you're battling, he's going to come into it and his power is going to deal with it. And going through this battle is just going to be bread for you. It's just strengthening you. God is building you in your weakness. He's strengthening you right now because there are great things ahead of you. There's destinies ahead of you. There's promises that he's got for you. And the battle is simply your bread. Just get up. Let's just stand and start to praise because I just know there's victory in the house today. There is victory. You are 
in Christ. He won it at the cross. That's why he says, the principality and power opposing you is disarmed. The battle is already won. It belongs to him. And you are a more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer because he fights your battles for you. And your battles are simply bread. They're just bread. Stand up and praise him and say, what I'm going through is just strengthening me. It's not going to defeat me. What God promised me is still coming. It's yes and it's amen. amen. What I'm going through is just going to make me stronger. Just building me and edifying me for the next season ahead. Give him praise. Give him glory today. It's yes and amen. He gave you a glimpse of it. No backing off. God is with you. Stand on the word. Do not be dismayed. He's entering the battle even today. Even this morning, battles are being turned like Moses. Lift up your hands and praise him because he's faithful. He'll never forsake you. His promises are yes. They're underwritten by his blood. Give him glory. Give him glory this morning. That thing is just bread. It's just bread. It's just bread. Just bread. Strengthening you. You're coming through it. Stronger. Stronger. Hallelujah. If you're in a battle, come forward. We're going to pray for people today. We're going to prophesy over you. We're going to speak the word of God, the promises of God over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is going to strengthen you. Hallelujah.